the no, we haven't prayed yet, so we did. So uh, the, the book of Leviticus, the title from uh, the Septuagint, the, the Greek, ancient Greek uh, translation, uh, it, uh, names it uh, Leviticus. That's where we get it. And it, it means about or relating to uh, the Levites. So uh, the Hebrew meaning means he called. And the first verse actually says that the Lord called to Moses. So uh, I, the, the book itself, when you look at Levit, where it starts with Levit, uh, uh, if you think of the the uh, um, the uh, tribe of Levi, right? Uh, so it's it's describing uh, now the the actual Levites are only addressed four times in this. Uh, so uh, when you when you consider as we're going through this, it's it's really how they're supposed to uh, conduct themselves. And I believe that's in Leviticus twenty five. Uh, there are two verses there uh, that say the Levites actually in it. So. Um, and when we get there, then uh, we'll go from there. But uh, essentially, uh, when we uh, are going through this, just understand uh, it's about the Levites and how they're to uh, conduct themselves and uh, to go about uh, the ministry. So the tribe of Levi, one of Jacob's 12 tribes, was chosen by God to be set apart in service uh, to him. Uh, so there's one clan within that uh, that. Uh, a tribe uh, that would be the family of Aaron, and they were called to be priests. So uh, as we're seeing, uh, as we'll go through, we'll see that everybody has different jobs, but uh, there's one clan within the tribe of the family of Aaron that are called to be uh, priests, and uh, the other Levites are called to be assistants to the priests uh, in their duties, uh, their uh, care for the tabernacle, and then later on that would uh, you know, graduate into the temple once the temple was built. Uh, their duties, you can see in First Chronicles 23, where uh, uh, as as they get into the um, the actual tabernacle, excuse me, the uh, the temple is uh, they were appointed as uh, officers, judges, musicians, gatekeepers, uh, those types of things. So that's the others uh, that were not Levi, uh, not uh, priests. So of of the uh, family line of of Aaron himself. So uh, the purpose of this book is to provide instructions and laws to guide Israel in their relationship uh, with a holy God. Now, understanding where they were recently delivered from a polytheistic uh, culture, where they were seeing uh, all types of different worship of false gods. Uh, so now the Lord has taken them out. We've we've seen them being delivered as we went through the book of Exodus, and uh, they learned uh, how uh, the Lord's law being uh, laid out and what that means. And there's a greater um, uh, definition and greater um, uh, description of what those things and, and what they mean to actually live by them uh, in through Exodus. So if you need to go back and, and reread it, it will uh, you know I think it'd be a, obviously a great thing to do. And then when, when we get to the end of Exodus, we see uh, the instructions for the tabernacle, and then we see how the tabernacle, uh, those were uh, that were blessed with, uh, you know, Bezalel and Aholiab, uh were so blessed uh, by this and and filled with the Holy Spirit to to do those things. So uh, and and carry those be be like a foreman where they're 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 uh, in charge of what's happening uh, for the building of uh, the things for the tabernacle, putting those things together, right? So uh, now as we move through here, uh, we see uh, you. Know, how does this all apply? Okay, now that you've got the tabernacle done, uh, what are you going to do uh, in those things? So uh, here are the instructions 
uh, for them. So the, the emphasis and theme uh, is of, of the book is holiness of the Lord and to the Lord. And um, as holiness is demanded from the Lord, as we'll get in through and see this, there's, uh, there's also uh, atonement uh, that's introduced. Because it doesn't take us long, even in the point of self-reflection, to understand that we're not perfect. Uh, if we're being honest, right? If we're being honest with ourselves, uh, we can get to a point where we're like, I'm not perfect. But how do I approach a holy God? And uh, so we see here there's perfection uh, presented and then there's atonement uh, that's uh, that's also presented. So, yes, there's perfection that, that's demanded and you're not going to meet that. So there's an atonement uh, that, it, that is being uh, described here. So we'll go through those things. Now, uh, the holiness uh, that's uh, it, the part of the theme. Uh, understand that it, when we get to Leviticus uh, 19, verse 2, it's telling us that the Lord is saying, you shall be holy for I, uh, the Lord your God, am holy. So with the, with the focus of the book and the emphasis of the book being on holiness, understand that God's demand is holiness from us. Uh, and uh, so with that, like I said, would come atonement because uh, we, we aren't holy. We're, we're sinners. Uh, and uh, when we understand atonement, we're going to see uh, how that comes into play. But the importance of atonement, that, that there would be bloodshed uh, to uh, to cover our sin. Hebrews 9.22 uh, gives us a good explanation of this. And it says, And according to the law, almost all things... Uh, that almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. So, uh, understanding how uh, how powerful atonement is in our life, and how powerful uh, holiness is in our life, uh, that those two things uh, come to play in our lives, and understanding who God is as the holy God. Now, uh, atonement is how we uh, obtain holiness. Now. Understanding there's such a focus on holiness in this book. Uh, there there are, are many words. I'm going to uh, bring uh, to our attention five words that are brought up so many times that it, it would uh, it would be wrong, I believe, uh, of me to not highlight these things as they were highlighted to me in my study. But uh, holiness is mentioned 91 times in this book. Uh, blood is mentioned 88 times. Atonement 45 times. Cleansing. 71 times, uncleanness, 128 times. Consider those words, right? Consider uncleanness. Consider cleansing, atonement, blood, holiness, right? If, if we put those words together, it's spelling out the gospel message. It's, 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 there's, there's something powerful being revealed that's, that's underlying uh, within it. It's not a... a, a, a um, this great mystery that we need a great decoder, but where we have the whole word of God and we can look at the whole thing, we understand that that Christ is described all the way back in Genesis, all the way through uh, the scriptures. We find Jesus Christ all through and, and, and that the scriptures are all pointing to Jesus Christ, right? So as we're going through and we're looking at words like holiness, blood, atonement, cleansing, uncleanness, Right. Uh, it, it just understand how important this book is that the book of Leviticus is either quoted or or pointed to over 100 times in the New Testament. So as we're getting through this, oftentimes, right, uh, how many times have you ever said in kind of in a joking way, like, hey, you want to encourage somebody, bring them to Numbers or Leviticus, right? 
but really, <laughs> right? We can go there. Uh, you know, you might have a little bit of a of, of an uncomfortable, uh, you know, conversation if you go to like Song of Solomon with somebody, right? And getting into the meaning of those things. But uh, they, you know, obviously that's a part of the scripture for a reason, where we understand that relationship between uh, the church and God, right? So, uh, but but just the fact that Leviticus itself is quoted a hundred times. Uh, or pointed to a hundred times in the New Testament. Uh, we can't overlook those things. So uh, it can be looked at as laws and regulations, you know, uh, you know uh, but we have to look by uh, past the words and understand the meaning and reasons for them. So a quick outline, and then uh, we'll get into this. But chapters 1 through 7 uh, speak of the offerings. And uh, we'll see here uh, there are dis uh, a description of the offerings for a bull, goat, sheep, dove, and pigeon. Uh, they all picture uh, in one way or another. They all point to uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, there's uh, in uh, there's also what we'll get into the peace offerings or the in uh, the the grain offerings. So when we get into those things uh, in chapters two and three, we'll we'll cover those also. Chapters eight and ten, uh, the need for atonement for sin, and chapter eight also talks about the consecration of. Uh, Aaron and his sons. Chapters 11 through 15, we'll see diets, uh, clean and unclean foods are being described, and uh, childbirth and careful regulation of uh, diseases being described in those. Uh, chapter 16 described the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, uh, the, the, uh, that, that day that we've spoken of many times where uh, that was speaking of uh, that, where the, the, high priest could go into the Holy of Holies uh, with the blood of the sacrifice. Uh, and uh, so we'll get into that also. Chapters 17 through 26 deal with personal, moral, and social living, uh, God's guidelines to Israel for practical holiness, uh, feasts, blessings, and cursings uh, for keeping and neglecting of God's words, right? So the blessings that come with keeping it, the curses that come with neglecting God's words. And when we get to chapter 27, we'll uh, go over the vows uh, to the Lord. So uh, some key verses, Leviticus chapter 1, verse 4, uh, that, that uh, are throughout, what, you know, what, what can we glean most from this? Leviticus 1, 4 says, Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. Uh, another key verse, this is uh, four of them. Uh, Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar uh, to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Leviticus 19, verse 20 says, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And lastly, Leviticus 19, verse 18 says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Uh, so, uh, you know, these point to uh, the words and works of Christ. So uh, those types of things are those are those are things that we're going to see where, where Jesus said, you know, if you want to fulfill the whole law, if you want to see what it's all wrapped, you can wrap it up all into this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And then he refers to uh, here in Leviticus 19, 18, where you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
so that all comes from this Old Testament book uh, called Leviticus. So um, moving into chapter 1, this is uh, describing um, how a burnt offering is uh, to be uh, taken care of, how to, how to proceed with a burnt offering. So uh, the elements of a burnt offering are a bull, ram, or even a male uh, uh, bird. And, uh, and uh, the male bird might be a dove or a pigeon if somebody's poor. Uh, they are to be wholly consumed and of no defect. Uh, the reason for this burnt offering. So, guys, this is how I kind of learn. So when you hear me saying these things, this is what I do in my study. I want to understand. Uh, I don't want to just read, okay, the burnt offering and go through it. I want to understand, okay, what what is what was uh, what was to be offered in a burnt offering, and what is the meaning behind it? Like, why is this happening, and and what are the purposes of it? So you're getting a little bit of a glimpse into my mind, and uh, that's how the Lord has built me. So this is how I share things. So um, I, I I want to understand these things. So uh, so I look into, okay, what is offered and why, uh, and the purpose this is offered. It's, it's a voluntary act, act of uh, worship uh, to please God, and uh, it's an atonement for unintentional sin. Uh, it's an expression of devotion, and we see within it a commitment and complete surrender to God. So as we're getting into and we're reading through those things, I, I like to kind of, in my own mind, understand what, what, what am I about to consume? And what does it mean? That way, as I'm reading it, I can get to the point where if I've read it, then I'll, okay, so I, I've got this things, uh, these things here, and I, I want to go back and I want to reread these things. Okay, what, what is everything that I can take and put into it? And these are the things that uh, I always love to know as I'm reading through these. So uh, just understanding uh, the purpose uh, of these things and how they all come together has greatly blessed me in my uh, study. So, uh, so verse 1 says, uh, Now the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, uh, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, uh, of the herd and of the flock. Uh, if his offering is a burnt sacrifice to of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before the Lord, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around on the altar uh, that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So uh, when we see here in verse 1, it says that the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting. Moses has been spoken to by the Lord uh, up on the mountain. Uh, he had gone into his own personal tent to meet with the Lord. Now that the tabernacle uh, is there, the whole, the, the, uh, the spirit of God there, the, uh, the cloud in the, the presence of God in the cloud is there. And he's speaking to Moses uh, from the tabernacle. Now that tabernacle meeting, that tent, that portable tent, uh, it's like a portable church, right? A uh, portable temple there. He's speaking uh, to Moses, and he tells Moses to speak to the children of Israel and give them these types of instructions. Uh, and, and so he goes on to say, uh, when there's a, 
uh, an animal that's going to be taken. He's describing an, an ox here. Uh, it would probably be for an ox. Now, as we get through, there are, are three different uh, animals that could be offered. Uh, there's an ox, uh, a sheep or ram, uh, however you want to look at that, and a, a bird. Okay, so uh, for those that might have been more well off and have access to an ox, now uh, sacrificing an ox is something that when, when you sacrifice an ox, that thing could be used for work. Uh, it, it could be used as a tractor, right? It can be used for, you guys ever been to the fair and you see like the ox poles and stuff? These massive things, they're powerful, so they would use them. So uh, most likely, uh, somebody who was uh, more wealthy would be uh, would be included here in this first uh, section uh, in of, of the description of, of chapter one of the burnt offering. So uh, it, we see here in verse three that this is a free will offering, uh, and uh, will and uh, understand that. Um, these offerings that we're going to uh, focus on, uh, specifically the five that we're going to spoke, uh, focus on, uh, they all point to Christ. So the first three, the burnt offering, the grain offering, and the peace offering are all free will. Uh, and uh, they include a sweet savor to the Lord. The last two offerings mentioned are mandatory sin offerings. So uh, these first three, and we're uh, Lord willing, we'll get through chapters one and two uh, this evening, and uh, we'll cover the first two, and uh, and then next week we'll get into uh, the other three that are, are mentioned here. But uh, so this is described as a free will offering uh, here. So uh, as we understand that the worshiper of his own free will uh, would bring these, uh, would would carry out these things. So verse four says uh, that the worshiper would put their own hand uh, on the, you know the the sacrifice and uh, and, and to lean on these things so uh, the animal itself um, was uh, a, a pure uh, substitute so they would be uh, in in uh, inspected by the priests and uh, once the animal itself was uh, found to be without defect we all know that when someone's bringing in a burnt offering uh, for their own atonement, they're, they're bringing uh, those things in because uh, they're not clean, right? So uh, the, the offering itself had to be uh, without spot, but uh, it's being offered because it's, provide, it's being provided for, uh, uh, it's providing an atonement for the one that's offering it. So they would literally lean on this thing, uh, and that thing would represent, as they're leaning on it, that they're, they're laying their burdens, their, their sin upon this thing as they're killing it. Now, the description here is describing, then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. Uh, so uh, the the implication there would be that he's the one actually taking the life of the bull, and then the priest would take the blood from it, uh, and they would take it and sprinkle it. So uh, they would actually feel um, the 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 bull uh, uh, suffering, right? Where where and if you can understand. Uh, it, when we look at these sufferings, that they're pointing to the suffering of Christ, and and uh, so we're going to see Jesus th through all of these things and and how they apply to them. But this person actually uh, having to take part in uh, what this is, it's going to bring a a a, um, a greater. Uh, 
uh, impact on the person that's uh, actually uh, taking part in this. So uh, where it says in verse 5, he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and the priest Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around on the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So uh, the blood being sprinkled, you know, consider uh, Jesus' blood being spilled uh, for us. And uh, that even when he was stabbed in, you know, uh, in the rib cage or even under the rib cage, that it would uh, go up. And when when blood and water uh, flowed out and no, no doubt, but uh, Jesus's blood was sprinkled as he was being beaten, you know, as he's getting hit. Uh, when we can see in the scriptures that it, the description of Jesus, uh, that he was marred uh, more than any other man, that he that he was uh, unrecognizable as a man, that his blood would be sprinkled. Verse 6 is uh, saying, uh, it says, uh, and he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into its pieces. So uh, skins would uh, belong to the priests uh, and uh, then the the. Uh, the animal would be cut up. Verse 7 says, uh, The sons of Aaron, the priests, shall put fire on the altar and lay uh, the wood in order on the fire. Then the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat, in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. By fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Uh, so this might be a little uh, hard to discuss uh, when you're looking at you know body parts and things being uh, cut up here, uh, and and to understand this is a, a sin uh, that when when you're discussing these types of things and what does it mean? What's it what's it symbolizing? You know, sin and um, a sacrifice and atonement. Uh, in our culture, uh, we've we've talked about this, and I don't remember what study it was, but the the fact that the church is is sh and I say the church as a whole is shying away from using the word sin, and that there are many ministries that that say don't use the word sin, use slip ups, use mistakes, use those types of things, and that's very dangerous for us because if we don't categorize our own disobedience to God's word as it should be in uh, addressing it as sin. This is a violent thing. This is a messy, bloody thing uh, here. And uh, if we don't, if we don't approach sin uh, seriously and, and, and how it destroys our lives and what it does uh, and, and what, uh, uh, what, uh, how it, how it, it uh, creates uh, a, a, uh, issue with us as we're trying to walk with the Lord. If, if we're going back to and oscillating between walking with the Lord in strength and oh, what I want to go back here. And I, you know, if we're doing those things, you know, how those things uh, negatively affect us and, and what those things uh, do. And, and uh, if we don't have a proper perspective on, on how sin uh, has, guys, if something has to die in our place to cover it, uh, that's, that's, a pretty powerful thing uh, to to meditate on and to think of. So somebody had to die, you know, that Jesus Christ had to die for us. If we go and, and we're looking at the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, right, that that He sacrificed Himself on the cross to bring us to Him, you know, if if we focus on that and we understand. You know what that means, and I don't know that we will. Full, I mean, there are times that I think we come to a point of a greater understanding and a greater appreciation of what, what the cross means. 
But but if we find ourselves not not getting to a point where we may not, it, it might seem that the message of the cross is just kind of, yeah, I know what that means. And it's kind of coming to a point where we no longer appreciate it as we did when we first came. Then we don't understand really what the message of the cross is, right? You know, think of it. This is describing something innocent dying for somebody who did something wrong, right? And if if who sinned against God, who committed an offense, a transgression against God, right? So when we consider how great uh, that is and, and what, it, what it can do to uh, not only our relationship to God, but what did our sin do to negatively affect somebody else? Right, because our sin doesn't, un unfortunately, doesn't just affect us. Because if it did, I think sometimes we'd get to a point where we're like, okay, well, it only negatively affected me; it didn't hurt anybody else. But unfortunately, that's not usually how it works, right? But when we understand that this man had to get involved in this process, and and we don't know how long it took, we don't know how long it took to go select this thing and bring it in, and then. Uh, to, to bring it to the point where it needed to and then to lean on it and then to kill it and then the blood had to be drawn out and then they had to skin it and they had to take everything out and take all the parts and put it on and consume the whole thing in fire. That's not something that you go through in a day and go, huh, okay, that was nothing. Right? You know, it's going to last. It's going to hit you. It's going to, you're, you're, you're going to hopefully leave and, and have an appreciation for what just laid its life down in, you know, for you. Right. And and for us, we can look at the, it, what this means and how it was pointing to Jesus and have that that appreciation for what he's done for us. I'm so grateful we don't have to do this, guys. I am so grateful we don't have to go through these things. When I think of, you know, uh, you know, these day to day offerings that, that they had to do these things, it's not a pleasant thing to think of. It really isn't blood and sacrifice and bleeding and crying out as it's, you know, all of those things. You know, that, that Jesus Christ did, a, did that for us, and we don't have to do those things. Ugh, I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed when I read these things, and I don't, I know that we don't have to be uh, doing those things. You know, uh, the sacrifice, the, the beating and the death of Christ was extremely brutal. You know, beaten and abused. You ever seen uh, the passion of the Christ? And I've heard many pastors and teachers say, it, it, that doesn't even, I mean, if you've seen that and how, how you remember watching that and how, how gruesome it was and, and how powerful it was. And then to hear that might not have even, it, it might've even been so much even worse than that. Right. Where it ends and says that at the end of everything, when it's burned, it's an aroma. It's a savor. Uh, the, you know, to the Hebrews, it would be a savor of rest before the Father is what it's speaking of there. Verse 9, But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water, and the priest shall burn uh, all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice. Uh, in offering made. So uh, when it, verse 9 is saying it's speaking of a complete dedication of the animal uh, to the Lord. Uh, now, uh, you know, the animal, as we talked about, wasn't necessarily a willing sacrifice, right? The animal went in there and was forced into that, right? When we understand, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, he laid his own will down for the will of the Father and, and, and took our place in, in our punishment upon him. But uh, as we understand, you know, what Jesus did and, and what we're called to do, you know, where, where it says that uh, here that, uh, that they would burn, um, 
uh, at the end of verse 9, it says, And the priest shall burn all on the altar, that everything was to be consumed. Uh, Jesus Christ gave his all. He gave us all. We as Christians are called to live uh, and, and be willing and living sacrifices that our whole life, all of our life, all of our being would be, would be uh, dedicated to the Lord uh, and would be a sweet smelling aroma uh, to the Lord that, that we'd be all in. Right. This this animal, uh, when it's 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 killed and, and burnt and offered up, all of it was consumed. Uh, consider Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, uh, brethren, as uh, by the mercies of God, that you present uh, your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So we are called to live a life of, of sacrifice, a living sacrifice is what we're called to. That means that we're called to, to be all in. It says, beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The Bible is telling us, what the scriptures are telling us, is that we're, we are to live out our lives as a living sacrifice. So carry out the rest of our days. Once we become uh, you know, Christians, from then on, we are, we are walking our, our lives. We're, we're pouring ourselves out in worship. We're serving God uh, as living sacrifices. That we're not living for our, ourselves, we're living for God. And uh, that our lives are, are to be wholly acceptable to God, right? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's another thing saying that we are, uh, we are being built up by God, and where it says there to offer up spiritual sacrifices. That, that our lives are to be, as, as Romans tells us, we're just a, walking in our lives, understanding that uh, we should be pouring our, offering all of ourselves, you know, pouring all ourselves, offering everything up, not trying to hold anything back, understanding that when we stand in Christ, the old person is dead and that new person in Christ is now living and we're supposed to carry out our lives, living as uh, and carrying and, and each day walking as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God. If we now think about it, if we put our lives in that light every day, our life is so much different. Our walk with God is so much different. It's when we want to take things back and we want to fill ourselves with our own desires is where we have the problems. Right? That's that's the problem. Is well, I don't really feel like pouring myself out or offering all of myself as a living sacrifice to God, that's where we get into trouble. That's where our, our mindset gets off, right? Because then we're dealing with the battle between the flesh and the spirit. Which one are we going to serve, right? And then just know that the scriptures are calling us uh, to live all out uh, for the Lord. Now, moving on, so that's uh, the, the offering of the bull. Now, uh, the sheep. Now, this might be more common financially uh, for people to be able to offer a sheep. If his offering is of the flocks, of the sheep, uh, or of the goats, as a burnt offering, he shall bring a male without blemish. He shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord and the priests. Uh, Aaron's sons shall sprinkle its blood all around the uh, 
uh, on the altar. Uh, the reason I stopped there is I was expecting this to be seven up and it was water. You ever feel that that difference there? So sorry, I, I just confused myself. <clears throat> I'm so dry and I, I had my mindset for some reason I was drinking seven up and it was water. So it threw me out. So as I said, this might have been more <clears throat> more common that somebody would be bringing a sheep if they're bringing, uh, they can't bring an ox then they would uh, be bringing a sheep. And then we'll go even uh, more uh, more so here in uh, verse 14. We'll pick up with the birds. But um, what I like here, so a uh, very similar uh, description, right? But it says that they should kill it on the north side of the altar. Um, I, there's a, an important thing here. The Lord is describing how he wants man to conduct himself in offering these things uh, to the Lord in worship, Right. Um, there are often times that we may have in former times before we, uh, you know, understood what it, what, what it meant to walk uh, with the Lord and, and to offer him praise and to worship him might have uh, dictated how worshiping God was going to happen in our lives. Well, I can worship God out in the woods. I can. You guys have heard me talk about this. I can worship God out on the water with my fishing rod. Absolutely, you can. But if you're replacing what God has established as uh, to you know, proper worship and gathering together, right? We've, you've heard me talk about this several times. But we are called to gather together, together uh, Hebrews 10.25, and not forsake those things, right? So yes, along with those things, go for a walk and talk to the Lord. Go swimming. Go, uh, you know, uh, swimming. Go, go uh, you know, boating. Uh, go uh, fishing, go do any of those things that we really enjoy. And we can, we can enjoy the presence of the Lord in those things. But if we're trying to dictate it, it's so far away from what the, I mean, the, the Lord's even describing, you know, where these things are supposed to take place within the tabernacle. This is happening on the north side, or this is supposed to happen there. Or uh, when we get here uh, to, the, uh, to the birds, I think it's the birds here that's going to, yes, the birds are going to be on the east side. Right? So each thing is set in its own place. God just does what he wants. And we have to do things according to God's will and not our own will. Uh, so, you know, I, I love that the Lord is setting those because if it was man's, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to set our own thing. Well, it, it, this is how I do it. I don't know how you do it. And don't we see how that can get very cloudy and, and, and muck up the water pretty quickly? Yeah, I, I, I like to use the term, you know, clear as mud. Uh, you know, to describe, you know, if I'm not understanding something, somebody, you know, is that, you know, is that about as clear as mud? You know, because when we get involved in things, that's what happens. Uh, but when the Lord is laying these things out, it's very clear. It's 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 set on on what He wants. So it has to be a male without blemish on the north side of the altar before the Lord, uh, and uh, they would uh, Aaron's sons would sprinkle the blood all around the altar. Verse 12, and he shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat, and uh, the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash the entrails and uh, the legs with water, and the priest shall bring it all again uh, and burn it on the altar. It shall be a burnt sacrifice on uh, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Uh, so the inwards washed. Uh, you know, think of the work of the the word uh, in our lives. That you know, the Lord would wash our innermost parts. 
uh, for us there. That's uh, uh, just a neat thing to, to pull out from there, uh, that, that as we're worshiping the Lord and walking with him, that he actually uh, would uh, wash us. Verse uh, 14, And if the burnt sacrifice of his offering uh, to the Lord is of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or uh, young pigeons. So uh, what's being described here would be the offering of uh, the poor. Uh, you know, rich and poor alike are called to worship, right? So if somebody can afford it, grab an ox or uh, grab a sheep or grab a, a dove or a pigeon. Uh, and uh, But the, the Lord wants everyone to offer. And it's a free will offering. So if they're moved to do so and they want to do this, they can come in on their free will and, and offer those things. Uh, and uh, the difference here is that uh, the priests would, would kill them. Now, uh, this is, gets a little graphic here in verse 15. The, re, the priest would, uh, shall uh, bring it to the altar, wring off its head, and burn it on the altar. So uh, its, its blood shall be drained out as uh, the side of the altar. Now, uh, if we're uh, ministering to somebody, uh, starting here might be a weird starting point, okay? Um, uh, but the, the description I've heard on this uh, is that they would actually use their thumb and kind of press in on the neck and do all those things. Either way, it's a violent thing that's happening here, and the neck would be uh, wrung off of this thing, right? So you ever heard somebody say, I want to wring his neck? Probably not to uh, ring it off, right? But, uh, you know, it, what's being described is a, a, a violent process here. So um, so for uh, the poor, you know, when, when you consider the poor could come, even those that might think they don't have much to offer. I don't, I don't have much to bring to the Lord. Uh, don't ever let that be a discouragement uh, to us. Now, we're not going through these processes in these days, right? We've talked about that. Thankfully, we're not. Uh, but God does call everyone to serve, the little or, or the great. Now, now remember, uh, if we come to the point where I don't know what I have to offer, I've recently had this conversation in the past couple days with somebody that says, I don't know how God would use me. I don't know what what purpose I would have because uh, this specific person, as I'm as I'm talking with them, uh, uh, there's the description. Uh, sorry, what they're describing to me is I, I don't know how God could use me, and uh, the Lord brought to mind as as I'm having this conversation, this uh, the book and the teaching that I've heard from Ken Graves. I haven't read the whole the book, but I I know the gist of the book is. Uh, and Ken Graves wrote it. It's in public. Uh, it's 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 uh, public public. What is the word? It's in publication, right? Uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's out there. You can buy it. Okay, right? Uh, you can buy it. It's called Master Mission Me. And when we get to a point, if there's a point of frustration, or for somebody who just came to know the Lord, uh, the important thing to understand is that uh, we have to understand who God is. And, and uh, we have to have a proper relationship with him, uh, submitting our lives to him, understanding that he is our master. He's our Lord, yes, but he's also our master. And when we have an, a proper understanding of what it is to, uh, to have the Lord be the master of our lives, then we ask the Lord to show us what is our mission. Lord, what do you have for me to do? That's where we find our, our, our purpose in life is from God. Once we know God and we have a proper relationship with him, then we find out from him, what is my mission? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Now, that mission might not be, uh, there's an overall mission to serve him and, and to make him known, right? The Great Commission. Go out and make disciples, right? How does that look? How does God want to use me to do that? 
it might it might be uh, I'm naturally blessed as a uh, uh, as a uh, builder, uh, uh, a musician. I'm naturally blessed in speaking to people or whatever it is that God has given us. Or what are those things that we've, uh, those tools that God has sharpened and, and uh, built up in our lives? Then use those, right? Uh, it, you know, consider, right? What did, what did Jesus say uh, to the disciples uh, and, and to Peter? From now on, you're, you're a fisherman? Well, you're going to have a great appreciation for this. Now you're going to fish for men, Peter. You were looking for, you were trying to catch fish. Well, now you're going to go catch men. And that meant something to him. That spoke his language. He understood that. And he didn't understand how that was all going to happen, right? But but he understood what, what Jesus was saying. Jesus was was speaking to him in a language like, Oh, okay. So, so uh, you know, after uh, the Lord is gone, you know, what did Jesus use Peter to do? Catch men. We're seeing thousands come to the Lord through a fisherman. That fisherman was somebody that once told Jesus, "Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. You want nothing to do with me." And what does God tell him? No, I, I've got something different for you. I've got a mission for you. And that last part, we're probably not going to get into very much right now. But mate, you know, if we're um, if we're Christian and single, that should be the order, right? We should know our master and be in, be in right standing with him. We should know what he's calling us to do. And then we find the mate because if somebody's looking for a mate and, and their their mission is opposite of our mission or it's going to take you to different directions. Well, I'm called to Thailand. Well, I'm called to, I, I don't know, uh, Trentan, right? Or, or whatever it is, right? You know, then then probably going to have some strain and stress on your relationship you know but but understand that 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 there are ways to know uh, what it is uh, to uh, to walk with the Lord and how he's going to uh, use us and, and work and how he's going to bless our lives um, but I uh, understand that we're all called to serve God uh, and and it could be in the smallest of ways right what is the lesson of, of the the woman uh, the, the 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 widow and the two mites? Right, and Jesus calls ever stops everything, every all their attention. You see, in all this stuff and everything, and what what grabs Jesus's attention, and what does he have them focus on? And he says that woman who gave the least actually gave the most. Guys, do you understand? Not only was she blessed there, but do you understand she, the blessings she gives us two thousand years later? How is that message, that woman's obedience to God, and that woman's? giving all of what she had to the Lord, how does that bless us 2,000 years later? That that woman, you know, giving, you know, we'll, we'll equate it to two pennies, okay? I got my last two cents, right? And and she's, she's giving those. And when Jesus said that she gave more than anybody else, think of how great uh, that, that sacrifice uh, to God was in God's eyes and how much that has built our lives up. That there's a great under that we can understand something very powerful in that. That whatever the little things that God has done uh, for uh, that, uh, well, the great things He's done, but maybe the little things that He's given us, or the the little talents that He's given us, whatever it is, just offer it to the Lord. God, I don't know. I'm, I, you know, I, I I seem to be really good at at repairing things. You know, something's broken. I'm 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 just gonna let brothers and sisters know, or uh, people in the community know. If you got this broken, uh, you know, God's blessed me. Or hey, I'm really good at mowing lawns. You know, guys, there there none of us can say I have nothing to offer the Lord, right? And and, and 
as pictured here in this burn offering, everybody could fit into any of these categories. If somebody who's poor wanted to, okay, pigeon or turtle dove, bring those in. You can even catch those things, right? You know, catch it, bring it in, and hey, buddy, sorry. You know, <laughs> you know. But think of those things. I, I love that the Lord, the Lord doesn't have this requirement that some wouldn't be able to meet. No, God is making it so that everybody could offer this offering, even even a turtle dove. You know, what can we serve? Uh, how, how can we serve him, right? Considering as we wrap up the burnt offering, Christ, uh, it's, it's a picture of Christ's perfect and total dedication to the Father, right? All of all of these things were burnt on the altar, right? The only thing that wasn't burned was the crop, the stomach of, of, the, um, of the bird, and uh, that would be where... You know the the dung would be so remove that and uh, and that wasn't offered here. But when you consider the perfect dedication uh, of 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 Jesus Christ, He offered all of Himself uh, to the Father. John chapter ten verse seventeen says, "Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again." That that perfect dedication uh, in service uh, to the Father. And he laid down everything, that he laid down his life. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many were made righteous. And that in Romans. You know, that dedication that, uh, that the Lord's uh, that the Lord's offering uh, would make would would bring those things together because uh, we and we studied this in Romans uh, five that uh, Adam's sin that we inherited uh, his sin nature born as uh, children of wrath right we we were born uh, with uh, a sin nature that we had to uh, that is is just in us but when we see what Christ did in his obedience to the Lord uh, that uh, many would be made righteous that we can come to him as Christ is offering his all to the Lord Hebrews 10 10 says uh, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all when we understand what Jesus did, that, that we have been sanctified uh, by his body, everything of Christ being offered up once for all. One time, uh, if you've been brought into the teaching that Christ is, is currently in, in eternity being um, offered up, uh, that, that if you sin, and I, I remember somebody telling me this as a kid, so I know this is out there. I don't know how popular it is. Um, but I remember being, if you sin, you're crucifying Jesus Christ. He's literally being put on the cross again, you know, and and that's that's physically happening to him over and over. And I'm like, how does it end? Like, what? I I didn't understand it, and and that's what that's the way it was described to me, and and it brought me to a great point of what you know, and 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 I just and maybe it's somebody just uh, not understanding what Paul was writing about in another scripture, which we don't have really have time to get into, but we have to understand. Christ's sacrifice was once for all, one time for all. That he he did everything. That his his uh, the offering that he offered up uh, displayed his full on dedication and commitment uh, to the Father, and he committed everything to the Father that we might be able to stand uh, in His righteousness uh, before the Father. 
So the burnt offering is a picture of Christ's perfect dedication to the Father. Uh, the, this second one, uh, Leviticus 2, well, uh, we have 15 minutes, so uh, hopefully we can get through this. So uh, this is uh, the meal, or, or uh, your Bible may say the grain offering, uh, in regards to service, uh, communion, and, and fellowship here. So the elements, uh, like I said, diving into what, it, what you know, what's involved and what are the purpose. The elements described here, grain, a fine flour, uh, olive oil, incense, uh, baked bread, and salt. Uh, there's uh, no honey or leaven, and we'll get into those things. Uh, there's no blood involved. It's focused, uh, as we look through this, uh, we uh, and we understand the meaning of it. It focuses on the life and character of Christ rather than his death. Uh, so uh, there's a, a perfect uh, balance that was uh, carried out in uh, Jesus' life. Uh, so there's a picture of that in the in the grain offering that we'll uh, we'll get to as we're going through these things. So the purpose. Uh, so there's a voluntary another voluntary act of worship. Uh, it's recognizing uh, God's goodness and provision, and uh, it's also showing a devotion to God. So just as we're going through these things, hopefully they're, they're going to uh, you know, resonate with you. If you uh, haven't written these things down, go back and listen to it. Uh, understanding the purposes and why these things were happening and what they, uh, they spoke for is, is important as we're going through the book of Leviticus. So uh, verse 1, when anyone offers a grain offering uh, to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, uh, and he shall... Uh, pour oil on it and put frankincense on it. So um, there's a uh, there's no grain offering without oil. Uh, so uh, we see here that it should be a fine flour and that oil was to be poured on it and they were to put frankincense on it. So the oil, as we understand in the scripture, uh, was a picture of the Holy Spirit. No service should be uh, committed uh, and, and done without uh, God's spirit. Consider Second uh, Corinthians chapter one verses twenty one and twenty two. They say, "Now he who establishes us uh, with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit of in our hearts as a guarantee." So, uh, if the Lord's given us uh, the uh, the Holy Spirit, which we've discussed in uh, several different of our studies uh, recently, uh, we understand with the Spirit in us, we should be uh, serving the Lord, understanding um, that that uh, He doesn't want us uh, doing anything and offering any anything on our own uh, strength, or in, including anything uh, that would not be. Uh, from him or or about him that it would all be about his his spirit and even speaking of frankincense being offered here uh, with a fragrant fragrance and uh, in verse two he shall bring it to Aaron's sons the priests one of whom shall uh, take from it his handful of fine flour and oil uh, with all the frankincense and the priest shall burn it uh, as a memorial on the altar in offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering shall be Aaron's uh, and his sons. It is most holy of the offerings uh, to the Lord uh, by fire. Now I, uh, 
as we see here, there's a sweet aroma that's being described. So uh, once everything's put together, the priest would put their handful in and then go and they would burn that as a memorial on the altar as uh, an offering made by fire, which would be a sweet aroma to the Lord. So the rest of this offering would be uh, to Aaron and his sons. Uh, it would be most holy. So Aaron and his sons, and we'll see here when we get down to verse 10, a little bit more of why Aaron and his sons are, just, are, are being brought in here. Uh, but essentially, they didn't inherit what everybody else did, and they were provided for by tithes and offerings. So uh, where, where they're uh, mentioned here, uh, we'll, we'll get into it here in just a few verses. Uh, verse 4. And if you bring uh, as an offering a grain offering baked in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil. But if your offering is a grain offering baked in a pan, it shall be of fine flour unleavened uh, mixed with oil. It, you shall break it in pieces and uh, pour oil on it. it is a grain offering. So we see oil being poured on the offering um, when we consider uh, oil and uh, where, where Christ uh, is, is pictured even in, in this, uh, the power of the Spirit being demonstrated in Christ's uh, ministry, right? Uh, where we see the Spirit uh, descending upon him like a dove uh, when he came up from being baptized, right? And uh, we see the Lord ministering. Uh, Jesus was born of the Spirit, Luke chapter 1, right? Uh, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all uh, who were oppressed by the devil uh, for God was with him. So we keep seeing this oil mixed in and we see uh, you shall break in pieces and pour oil on it, right? Uh, the importance of the oil and what it, what it was symbolizing, which we've already discussed also. You know, when uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, we received the power as uh, Christ uh, promised this to uh, the uh to the apostles when he sent them out, they said that they were going to receive power uh, to live for God and to minister. It says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. So where all these things are being described, you're going to bring these things. They're unleavened, and we'll talk about that here uh, also, and there's another one that says there, uh, if we haven't read it already, uh, speaking of um, unleavened and uh, no oil, uh, no uh, honey uh, being described here, and we'll get into those also. But leaven uh, being a picture of sin, yeast being a picture of sin in the scripture. So uh, as we're going through here, some of these key words or phrases that are coming up are probably going to bring reminders to us as we're going through here and uh, pointing us uh, to things that we're, we're going to remember from the New Testament. Verse 7, if your offering is a grain offering baked in a covered, uh, a covered pan, like a frying pan, your, uh, New King, uh, King James might say a frying, I think it's King James that says frying pan in there, uh, it shall uh, be made of fine flour with oil. You shall... Bring the grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord, and when it is presented um, to the priest, uh, he shall bring it to the altar. So even if somebody was bringing something that had been baked, uh, they they bring it uh, and uh, that's uh, made of these things to the Lord, and, and then it's presented uh, to the priest, and uh, they shall bring it to the altar. 
Uh, verse 9 says, Then the priest shall take from the grain offering a memorial portion and burn it to uh, uh, burn it on the altar. It is an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. So we, we see the theme and uh, what's being presented here and, and how they all are a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 10, And what is left of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is most holy of the offerings uh, to the Lord made by fire. So as I said before, the Levites didn't inherit territory. They uh, resided in 48 different cities uh, throughout Israel, but they didn't have their own property. They didn't have their own uh, way to, okay, now I'm going to have my own flocks and those things. Their responsibility and their mission uh, was to serve in the temple, either as an assistant to the priests or as priests. So that, that's what uh, they were called to do. So their income came from tithes and offerings. So as these things are being offered, uh, those that didn't require like the burnt offering for everything to be offered, uh, then uh, then they would uh, get some of these things uh, and be able to uh, to provide for themselves and, and, and be provided for uh, by the people. Verse 11, no grain offering which you shall bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven. This is the part I was talking about here. For you shall burn no leaven nor any honey uh, in any offering to the Lord made by fire. So God wants uh, pure grain uh, or oil, nothing uh, that will corrupt or or ferment, right? Where leaven is the description, it's, it's uh, a picture of uh, sin. And uh, uh, even, even think of uh, even leaven... Um, where the Lord was speaking of the unleavened cakes uh, when Israel was led out of Egypt. They didn't have enough time so uh, to, to bake their cakes, so they ate them uh, without leaven. But uh, what we see even being uh, uh, presented here uh, is that uh, uh, nothing is, is to be added to. So uh, you, might wanna, you might consider it no artificial sweetening. Uh, this is natural worship. Uh, and uh, sweetness only being described. We are going to see here in just a moment salt uh, being added in there. We'll look at salt here in a minute. Uh, but uh, but leaven in and of itself was not to be uh, brought in here uh, or a, uh, a sweetener like honey. Uh, so uh, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, speaking of, of leaven, uh, verses 6 uh, through 8 say, uh, Your glorying is not good. So this is Paul correcting the church in Corinth. He says, your glorying is not good. Uh, do you uh, not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So a little bit of yeast affects all of the lump of what's what's uh, being uh, baked or, or cooked, right? So therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you are truly uh, you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So the, the picture uh, that even unleavened bread would be a picture of uh, a life lived, lived in sincerity uh, and truth there. So there's a lot to uh, see that, that uh, you know, how uh, leaven is a, is, is a picture or it's an example of, of things uh, that uh, should not be a part of our life. 
is, is, is eating leavened bread a bad thing for us? No. But when it came to worship, there was nothing to be offered that would be symbolized, uh, that would symbolize uh, yeast or, or sin, right? Uh, sorry, it symbolized sin that, that permeates. So even a little bit of sin uh, is uh, negatively affects us, right? Verse 12, as for the offering of the first fruits, you shall offer them to the Lord, but they shall not be burned on the altar for a sweet aroma. So first fruits were not to be burned. Um, consider the picture of Christ as the first fruits uh, of resurrection. Uh, so first fruits were a picture of that uh, and not his death but, uh, and his suffering, but, uh, but of his resurrection. Verse, excuse me, verse 13. Sorry, I'm a little dry. Verse 13. And every offering of your grain offering, you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking uh, from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. So salt uh, to the Jews was a picture of a covenant. You know, it would, uh, the, the salt endured, uh, uh, consider uh, the fire of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah when uh, the, the pillar, uh, when um, Lot's wife uh, even made into uh, a pillar of salt. It was something that came out of and, and survived uh, through Right, but but it, it, salt in and of itself was a, a picture of an everlasting covenant with with God. Col Colossians chapter four verse six says, "Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer one another." You know, when we consider the salt in in uh, the scriptures, are uh, it is used and described as a preservative. Uh, but it also speaks of a purity as uh, uh, that's being depicted here, where it says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to uh, answer one another, that there would be uh, something there. Uh, salt tastes good, right? Uh, that, that's why I, you know, some of us put more salt on things than others. Some of us use a lot of salt, right? Um, I, 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 I've, I've watched some of our, our brothers here. Uh, use a, use a, you know, he, uh, you know, Shane likes a lot of salt, right? I, I, uh, I actually, um, recently Jen and I were out for a meal and, um, I, I had this, uh, this steak, uh, it's called uh, at a Mexican restaurant and carne asada. And the last time I had it, all I tasted was salt, right? So this time I'm like, can you have it light on salt? Right. Uh, some people, some of us like more, maybe, you know, uh, maybe you're a bigger blessing, right? Because of the salt, right? <laughs> So uh, just just speak of, uh, you know, the seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt would mean uh, is something that, uh, you know, would have flavor, right? If salt had lost its flavor, what good is it at that point then to be thrown out and walked on, right? So, uh, you know, salt is, is an important thing in the script. We wouldn't think of that, right? I mean, you, you wouldn't normally think of something that you could just go buy at the store for, you know, a dollar or whatever, that there, there are great spiritual lessons uh, about the salt and what it does, right? We throw salt out to melt, uh, melt the, uh, the, the ice. Hopefully there's none out there right now. Right. Um, uh, but there's, uh, it has its purposes. So, uh, the offerings were to be offered with salt. Uh, verse, uh, 14. And, uh, if you offer 
a grain offering uh, of your uh, your first fruits to the Lord. Uh, you shall offer for the Josh just ran out. I bet he's going to put uh, salt on. Uh, make sure nobody slips on the walkway. Right? Uh, There's a tremendous uh, tremendous heart of serving the Lord uh, there. And uh, so, uh, anyways, I don't know. That might be what he's doing. Uh, uh, if uh, sorry, didn't mean to distract uh, distract us, but uh, I just had to point that out. If you uh, offer a grain of offering of your fir- of your first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer uh, for the grain offering of your first fruits green heads of grain roasted on the fire grain beaten from full heads uh, you shall uh, put uh, oil on it and lay frankincense on it uh, it is a grain offering uh, the Lord uh, sorry then the priest shall burn uh, the memorial portion uh, part of its uh, beaten grain and part of its oil uh, with all the frankincense uh, as an offering made by fire for the Lord. So uh, live a life that is pleasing to God, that gives uh, him glory. As we're reading all of these things, uh, that, that are, are, and there's, there's meaning to them, uh, when we consider uh, what I had talked about, uh, this, this uh, life of service uh, uh, to the Lord and uh, the uh, recognizing God's goodness and provision. And uh, when we live a life of devotion to the Lord, um, uh, you know, understand when, when we see these things and the picture of what it is. Now, uh, this specific offering uh, is, is uh, also reflective of Christ's perfect character uh, and uh, that his perfect character was a fragrance to God, right? So there was no leaven or honey to be introduced to these things. Uh, and uh, there, there's a, a picture there of Christ's uh, perfect character uh, before the Lord. And there's also a lesson uh, for us uh, to learn of, of how are we uh, to live our lives. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, I've got two things to share with you when we're done. Uh, verse 2 uh, of Ephesians 5 says, And walk in love as Christ also uh, has loved us and given himself for us. An offering as a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. That Christ's offering was an offering to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, right? So as we're reading through here, it can seem like we're just reading, oh my goodness, my eyes are crossing, I'm falling asleep reading, but we have to look for the, you know, where is this speaking of Jesus Christ? That this one in and of itself is speaking of the perfect character of Christ being reflected in, in this grain offering. And we know that Christ's character pleased the Father. Matthew 17, verse 5. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. He's well pleased in, in Christ's character. You know, as as his son walked this earth and demonstrated how to live a holy life, uh, it, God the Father saying, "This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased." Hear him. Shut up. Stop talking and listen to what he has to say. Right? Listen to. Him. Hear him. I'm very well pleased in his in his character. That God was, uh, you know, pleased by Christ's perfect character. So. Uh, uh, next week we'll pick up in, in chapter 3 and uh, we, we might make it through 3, 4, and 5 to finish out the, the offerings uh, there and then and then continue to move through. Uh, but who knows? I might get long-winded and we go through one. But um, I just there, there's so much here. And, uh, and I really, 
uh, in an hour. Uh, it's, it's hard to do them proper justice. Uh, but what I glean in my own reading and then in my own study and everything, uh, the Lord lays on my heart, and that's what we, we look at. But I encourage you to go back through, read, go back through and study and learn more about these things. That you know, what? How is the Old Testament pointing to Jesus Christ all the way through? What? What? What can I? Uh, how can I understand this better? When we understand, okay, the burnt offering and the grain offering. How do these say that burnt offering, complete and total dedication and commitment to God, and the uh, the 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 picture of Christ's perfect character before God. You know, how do we how do we glean those things? Uh, you know, if those aren't things that we, those are new to us, well, how do we know those things so that I can apply those things to my life and have a greater understanding of him? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and, and uh, we pray, Lord, that we'll have a greater understanding as a result of being here together and reading the first two chapters of, of Leviticus. We pray, Lord, that you continue to open our eyes, that we would see you in all of these scriptures and understand you better and know you more. We thank you uh, for your faithfulness to us that we can meet here together and study, and we're grateful for the work you're doing in our hearts and lives. We pray that you would be blessed and, and help us to live lives that, uh, that are, uh, reflect the perfect character of our Savior. And Lord, that uh, we would live our lives as living sacrifices, all in to please you, and that our lives would be a sweet-smelling aroma to you as we look to bless and honor you with all that we do and say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.